let's get into it. Okay, so wait, I have to do the yeah. intro. You the, can't just start talking. Oh right, right, right. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean, you can just start talking, but it would be confusing if we were just like, "All right, here we I'm go." I'm embarrassed. No, it's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to You Know What I've Been Wondering. I'm Sarah. I'm Jane. And I'm impatient, apparently. <laughs> I'm glad you're in a good mood, though. You sound like you're ready to go. I admire that passion. I'm raring. Mm-hmm. This isn't chocolate milk. This is coffee. I just oh, I was just going to ask. It's late for coffee. You're going to be up all night. It's the end of my peppermint mocha. It's mostly okay. peppermint and mocha. I'll be fine. Oh, I like peppermint mocha. Is that from Stobby's? No, I got, um, you know, the La Colombe draft lattes I like, they come in the cans. Yeah. Yeah. They made a peppermint mocha one for the holidays. I ordered a 12 pack and I got this free glass. Wow. I ordered like stuff, not like all at once, on like, like several, over several different days from completely different websites. And I was out of town this weekend. I was at my mom's house. But they all <laughs> arrived at my apartment on Friday night. I had literally seven packages arrive from different <laughs> sellers, completely different things, all while I was out of town. And my roommates were like, did she like, is she redoing her room? Like, what's going on? <laughs> And I was like, no, this is coffee, this is candles, this is some pants. Like, wildly different <laughs> for wildly different purposes all arrived at once. I was like, geez, I did not order these on the same day at all. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, uh, um, I'm all right. That doesn't make me feel confident in how <laughs> you're doing, that reaction. Uh, I don't like thinking about my about you know how i'm doing because at the moment it's not amazing if i'm being honest but it's okay my dad pointed out to me the other day that i don't have that much longer to go before my semester ends yeah then next semester is going to be much easier than this semester so why will next semester be easier because the way they set up this program is that they like to front load the work as they say and you take more classes and harder classes the first semester okay so that's everything with me um how are you um i'm fine (laughs) (laughs) i did a stupid thing and i like i said i was at my mom's this weekend and um I left and I drove all the way back, parked my car in New York, two and a half hours away from my mother's house. And as soon as I parked the car, I was like, I'm on my suitcase. It hit me then. (laughs) The second I parked my car, I was like, your suitcase is not in this car. Your suitcase is in the living room of your mother's house. So there's nothing in it that's crazy essential, but I don't have a hairbrush. Oh, where's I have my no, hairbrush? I have no makeup because I brought all my makeup brushes home to wash them and clean them like an idiot. <laughs> now I have no makeup brushes and no hairbrush are the one two the f- essentials I'm missing. Well, one of the few benefits of having to wear a mask. True. So that most of your face have, is hidden. I have dog circles under my eyes. Oh, honey, so do I. And I'm very self-conscious about. Also, uh, I'm currently, like, for some reason, like, my skin has been really red lately and... I think it's because I have not been, like, properly moisturizing it. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm breaking out a lot around my mouth, which I know is because of the mask and yes. probably not washing the mask in my face properly and enough or something. Yeah. 
but it's literally like every time I go to take off my mask because I'm always like like the one feature about myself that I think is really pretty is my eyes and I'm always, like I'll look in the mirror and be like oh who's she and then I'll take my mask off and be like ah, <laughs> Phantom of the Opera <laughs> no you're so pretty stop <laughs> you're a gorgeous lady but yeah them bags them bags under my eyes mm. okay now are you now we can start for real if you okay. would like Okay. Now, since you were so ready for bullet point numero uno. <laughs> so I am actually not really talking about one specific Native American tribe. I'm talking about this thing that I read about that I think is very nice and sort of in the spirit of what we pretend Thanksgiving is was started based on, mm. and, which is the Wabanaki Confederacy. Oh, now, what is the Wabanaki Confederacy? Do tell. The Wabanaki Confederacy consisted of several Northeastern Algonquin-speaking tribal nations, okay. uh, although its composition has fluctuated somewhat depending on time and circumstance. But it is, it's got four big main groups, although there are like a lot of smaller ones, but they're sort of considered to be like, um, like umbrellaed under these bigger ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but these groups are the Maliseet, the Passamaquoddy, the Penobscot, and the Micmac people. And I like that, Micmac. Yeah. It's spelled like M-I apostrophe K-M-A-Q. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know exactly how it's pronounced. All of these are like best guesses. Okay. And some of them... Like Passamaquoddy and Penobscot are words that are just like places in Maine. Yeah. Um, that are pronounced that way in that context. So that's where I'm getting those pronunciations. The Confederacy originally started with the Maliseet, the Passamaquoddy, and the. Why am I losing these words? Yeah, well, they originally started, I'll say that again, with the Maliseet and the Passamaquoddy. Um, and then they spread out eventually to, um, include the Mi'kmaq people, which is, which was a much larger population than they had had before. Okay. And some don't love the idea of an umbrella term for all of these peoples because it's sort of a a concern that you're like grouping them together and saying that they're all one uniform thing when in fact that they're at least four separate groups with their own histories and cultures and customs okay yeah that makes sense yeah and i do think that's a valid point so it should be kind of prefaced that the like wabanaki is not a tribe it is a group of people that includes many tribes okay um and the that group is referred to as the abenaki okay Mm -hmm. so uh, many white New Englanders don't know the name Wabaka, who were settling or early Europeans um, didn't know the term um, Wabanaki Confederacy, and they just referred to this like group as the Eastern Indians because most of them live in the eastern part of the state. But um, that's just kind of you know assuming that all of those people over there are one group that we're just going to call the Eastern Indians, and that's not who they are. No, it's not who they are. 
So why was it started? So when the Europeans first arrived on the shores of Northeast America, they encountered several large alliances between indigenous groups, some even having very blurred or often crossed cultural or language barriers. Okay. Uh, so there are many different groups, but again, they interact a lot. So it makes sense that there's um, some blending going okay. on. In the early 1600s, French explorers on the main coast reported that there was one large allied group of groups under a paramount chief named or titled, we don't know exactly, um, Bashabis. And he headed an alliance of more than 20 villages located between Cape Netic and Skudik Point. And this alliance was called the Mawushin. And a at about the same time, the Mi'kmaq chieftain Membertu um, could also call upon allies from as far as Cape Breton and the Chateau's Bay. So there is an established tradition of allyship and friendship between indigenous groups of Maine. That's not to say they all got along, but um, yeah. it, it's not unprecedented. Okay. Yeah. Early on, the French forged ties of friendship with some Algonquin tribes, which Algonquin is, is sort of just more of a regional term, mm -hmm. um, like tribes in the Algonquin area. Yeah. Um, one early Penobscot narrative writes of a Frenchman, it doesn't specify which one, but like a Frenchman is coming to visit them and they say, the signs of brotherhood has been manifested by this man so plainly that everyone having the chance of meeting him greets him with Nietzsche, brother, because all his actions were taken as such. Hmm. That being said, the number of French and English settlers were growing really rapidly and they were beginning to invade native lands, causing them to feel very threatened in their homes. Mm -hmm. um, and within the next few decades, the region's um, Aboriginal inhabitants were sharply dropping in number due to a couple different reasons. The two biggest ones were diseases brought by Europeans and they were also being attacked by Iroquois tribes because um, okay. there was a big rivalry between the Iroquois and the Algonquin groups. Right. Um, the Algonquin tribes decided that if they wanted to survive, they needed to band together and establish some sort of official and permanent alliance. They founded what would eventually become the Wabanaki Confederacy. It's not quite official yet, mm -hmm. but they were like, we're friends, right? Yeah, we're good. We're friends. <laughs> we're, we're tight. We're tight. We're cool. <laughs> um, Wabanaki oral traditions later written down tell us why the Abenaki, Penobscot, Passamaquoddy, Maliseet, and Mi'kmaq became allies long ago. For instance, according to, well, I'm going to butcher this name, but I'm going to try my best. Wapapi is the first name listed, not necessarily first name, but yeah. The, mm -hmm. And then the second one is Akonutamakonol okay. or Wampum. <laughs> records um, of the Passamaquoddy and it says long ago the Indians were always fighting against each other they struck one another bloodily there were many men women and children who alike were tormented by constant battles it seemed as if all were tired of how they had lived wrongly the chief said to the others looking back from here the way we have come we see that we have left bloody tracks we see many wrongs and for these bloody hatchets and bows arrow and bows arrows they must be buried forever then they all set about deciding to join with one another in a confederacy. 
In the early 1900s, some Mi'kmaq elders in Pictou, Nova Scotia, Mm -hmm. um, could also still recall that their ancestors made a pact with the Penobscot. And that quote is, ooh, a name with many apostrophes that I feel like I shouldn't even print it. Jajiginwit? Many DJ combinations there. He was a Mi'kmaq chief who fought the Penobscot and later made peace and as a record painted with alder, um, which is red and brown, an mm-hmm. eel and a turtle on one side of a bear skin. Oh. They crossed a tomahawk, spear, bow, and arrows and buried them thus. Over this spot, they erected a small birch wigwam and at the top put bearskin. This was at Peter Dennis Point in Princeton, Maine. After this, Micmac and Penobscot intermarried. The Micmacs told the Penobscot, if you break this treaty, there's the sun above you to see you. If you break it, you will be like salt on the ground when water is poured on it. So very permanent alliances are being formed. Yes. It is guessed based on some historical evidence that it could have been officially formed in 1680 but that's not mm-hmm. really known for sure okay king philip's war was fought from 1676 to 16 
is cute. <laughs> I was literally about to say, I don't have this written, but the words that were about to come out of my mouth were, the thing that's cute is that... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's really cute that <laughs> they have these protocols set up that if one group is attacked, another group will send warriors to fight alongside them. Mm-hmm. And they are often rewarded with gifts. And it is very strongly expected that the favor will be returned. Okay. There's a, a strong relationship of duty to each other's groups. Um, they consider their success as individual tribes to be hinged on collective survival. And the, Wabanaki groups do not have one paramount chief that's in charge of all of them. Rather, they have frequent events called council fires or confederacy mm-hmm. meetings in mm-hmm. which the chiefs or ambassadors of the tribes will take turns hosting a meeting around a fire at which they discuss group decisions and they, you know, they discuss war and peace and things that affect both of their groups. Right. This and is the kind of confederacy that we're okay with. Yes, 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 yes. This is an okay confederacy. Yes. (laughs) And they have this sort of unofficial agreement that they don't make a decision unless the consensus has been reached amongst all of the uh, representatives present. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Which sometimes has been super successful, sometimes has made decision-making really hard. That also makes sense. Yes. But since they were made up of separate tribes that did not all speak the same language, meaningful gestures and stylized language were developed for communication among them. Mm-hmm. And the allied groups formed sort of collective customs and rituals. Mm-hmm. For example, there are wampum belts that are created to record and commemorate important joint decisions, uh-huh. such as declarations of war and peace. One of the most important decisions is, uh, one of the most important designs is based on the decision for the four bit largest allied tribes to be a part of this group. And that design is four white triangles on a blue background. So basically they make like commemorative belts for the big decisions, which sounds like in a modern context trivial. But if you're thinking of like, you know, it's the 1700s. They're making handmade nice belts. It's not like like the the world fighting champion or the ultimate champion. Yeah. It's a very nice traditional thing. Yeah. Kinship is an important metaphor to them. They consider their nations to all be related And their ambassadors and chieftains refer to each other as brothers. Mm -hmm. And while there is some, like, ranking within individual tribes that is recognized Mm -hmm. by other tribes, uh, in that case, uh, in order to avoid the whole, like, well, you you rank higher than me in your tribe, so you're, like, more superior than me. They recognize that um, honorific sort of by saying older brother and younger brother. Okay. But they're still brothers, and they still like have equal power within the, okay. um, within the like council. Right. And in fact, because they're like allied with the French, they refer to their governor in Canada, and by extension, the king in France. Um, this was way still back in like the 1600s. By the way, I'm not talking about mm-hmm. now. Um, as our French father. Oh. And they have sacred pan-tribal ceremonies, including the ritual of making sacred kingsmen, which is also referred to as smoking the peace pipe, which is a phrase I feel like I've heard and didn't know it came from this. Also, this I'd popular like phrase... Oh, oh, yeah. I wish I was at Thanksgiving so you and I could <laughs> smoke the peace pipe together. Um, it's true. <laughs> um, this... Have you ever heard the phrase burying the hatchet? Yeah. 
it comes from this. Oh, because that's super the, cool. Yeah, the Wabanaki customarily bury a hatchet to signify a peace agreement has been reached. Very cool. And this also actually is cute. They like to conclude council meetings with games of dice and ball games. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, yeah, it's not exactly board games, but they're like, let's play a game. I love Since that. We're here. Love that. Um, the Wabanaki Confederacy par- participated in six major wars before being defeated by the British in 1862. Oh. They fought in King William's War. Oh, William had a war. Didn't know. Yes, I'm missing the dates for that one. But they also fought in Queen Anne's War, which was from 1702 to 1713. Um, they fought in Dummer's War from 1722 to 1725. King George's War from 1744 to 1748. Mm. Father Lelutre's War from 1749 <laughs> to 1755. Excellent accent. Impeccable. Yes, thank you. And the French and Indian War from 1754 to 1763. Excellent. Now, here's a piece of BS for you. Oh, no. The British declared the Wabanaki Confederacy forcibly disbanded in 1862 in present-day Canada. It's not their place to, to declare. It- Exactly. They were literally like, this group doesn't exist anymore. You can't and, like, do that. Officially, like the website that I was reading was like, mm-hmm. yeah, so it like officially stopped existing then. But it still is a thing. Like the five Wabanaki nations still exist and they continue to meet regularly. And the Confederacy was form like i mean it never really went away but they formally reestablished it in 1993 and today each tribe has a reservation and the government headquarters located within their territories throughout maine that's nice so i i just thought this was a nice little thing to talk about because we like the imaginary story that we were told when we were kids about thanksgiving was people from different groups like putting aside their differences and coming together to like have the first thanksgiving right which, which is <laughs> like which rolls eyes <laughs> which rolls eyes and also the two groups there are like the people who like were causing so much hardship and death and disease right. and stealing land from the native americans these it, like it wasn't like the way it was depicted was like and then the Native Americans decided to, like, be nice for once, and they brought us yeah. corn, and we had a meal. And, like, that's not what it was. But this is an example of groups from different nations yeah. deciding to have a permanent, like, brotherhood and partnership and regularly yeah. coming together and not saying that they're going to erase each other's heritage, still very much respecting the individual um cultures that exist but forming sort of a a collective thing that they can celebrate together yeah that's beautiful so that's the wabanaki confederacy and i that yeah well i learned about it because have you heard of the website you probably have it might have you might have used it native-land.ca as well as you can go to and you literally can type in the town that you live in and it'll show you a map of what yeah uh, indigenous cool. groups like what whose land you're living on and um i looked up portland and i got wabanaki confederacy territory it's super and then cool. i looked up booth bay 
And I also got Wabanaki Confederacy territory. So I was like, oh, this is a thing. But I was, I looked it up and I was confused because they were like, Wabanaki Confederacy really isn't like a group. It's really a collection of groups. And I was like, oh, wait. But I do think it's cool that both places that I'm from are connected to this history. Yeah, definitely. There is also, this is just a random tidbit, but there's this area in Booth Bay, although it could be in a neighboring town, but... I was on my aunt's boat this summer and she pointed out this area and she said, oh, that's Robin Hood Cove. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, oh, that's so cool that it's called Robin Hood Cove. But I remember from my main history class this summer that when the first people were landing, the first Europeans Mm -hmm. were landing in not Booth Bay exactly, but in that region, Mm -hmm. they basically like paid probably not enough money, but some money to this Native Mm -hmm. American chief who they just like named Robin Hood. I don't know what his like real name is, but like that's what the history books call him. Maybe that was what he went by, but it just, that's such an English name that I have trouble being like, yeah, that was the name he was born with. Um, So I was like, oh, actually that's the name of the guy that they paid off to let them take over this land, which technically like you could say is buying, but I just right. have trouble believing that that was a fair trade that went by that went smoothly. It probably wasn't a fair trade. Yeah, you're right to be skeptical. Anyway, so that's just another fun fact. If you live in the Booth Bay region and you know about Robin Hood's Cove, it's named after Chief Robin Hood. That's really cool. Very very fun fact. You're full of fun facts today, Jane. <laughs> oh, and it's still me. I'm on Reddit. Okay, yeah, it's still you. It's all you. It's all me, baby. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I have two little things I want to talk about. Okay. And both of them are pretty brief, but still interesting. The first one is that a couple of years ago, I've told this to Sarah before, but someone that I'm friends with on Facebook, I don't even remember who it was, but they shared this survey that the Trump administration was sending out to their supporters Mm -hmm. to, like, get just like to gather opinions but the questions were so like oh they do were you so believe obnoxious. one that americans should be free or two that immigrants should be allowed to steal your jobs like right it they was were like all phrased the most absurd yeah. thing you've ever heard in your life yeah um so but the person on facebook was like everybody should like sign up for this survey and fill it out with your honest opinions so that the republicans can see how we really feel as a country but i'm sure not enough liberals actually did that and it was not effective and the consequence of it was that i got on a mailing list that i wish to god i was not on oh my god yes and i get these ridiculous emails from the Trump administration and I have not been reading them but in the past week since Trump lost the election I've been getting like 10 a day and they all have insane subject lines oh my god I unsubscribed before the election I'm excited to hear about this is this what you were going to tell me about like what these um, lines are saying uh this was part of it the other thing is the one thing that I felt silly about. Um, so on November 4th, I received the email with the subject line, we will win, which I did Jesus. not read. Um, I didn't think and then the, No. And then starting November 12th, like that's when it really like started it hitting really started, strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, DonaldJTrump.com emailed me, we're not done. And did you hear the news? No, I think you are. Donald J. Trump of... <laughs> 
<laughs> and basically, it, did you hear the news? Is about um, him being like, as I said, the success of the coronavirus vaccine was announced the day after the election. It was like, oh, shut up. The next email I got said, our big Georgia announcement. And then the next one was, don't that let them lost. get away with it. Yeah, that you lost. They literally think like any second now, somehow they're going to convince us that we won. November 13th, we're gaining momentum. I'm like, honey, it's been over. <laughs> it's 10 days. <laughs> it's done. Later. It's done. It's done. We're done. Yeah. Uh, I also got, don't let them get away with it. Again, these are just the subject lines. Here's the truth the left won't tell you. Count we legal votes. Like with all, with legal being all caps, as if we haven't been. Um, Mike Pence emailed me on November 13th. Big, the, big the victory. <laughs> the audacity of Mike Pence um, to email you. I then get an email from Eric Trump and Donald saying, why are they afraid of transparency? Again, I'm, <laughs> this has been two days. Oh my God, I can't, I can't deal with that. November 14th, I Mike Pence, another victory. What? Where? November 14th, Newt Gingrich, it's time to get mad. <laughs> November 14th. Them. Update on Pennsylvania. I'm like, yeah, you lost it. That <laughs> you lost it. Still on November 14th. Voter fraud. Uh, Eric Trump and Donald emailed me that same day. Fight for the future. I'm gonna stop saying the date. I'm just gonna tell you when it becomes a new date. Um, <laughs> Laura Trump. We're fighting this. Fighting what? <laughs> I don't know. November 15th. Here we go. We're finally to yesterday. I'm not going anywhere, says Trump. Fuck you. <laughs> I hate him. I hate him so much. Next one. I want him to run. Our big Georgia announcement that you lost it. That you lost it. That's the announcement, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The next one says, we're not done. The next no, one says that it's from President Trump and Vice President Pence in all caps. And it says, we're both reaching out. <laughs> we're desperate. <laughs> desperate the next one it's madness the next one we won north carolina which i didn't check they could have but you still could have but it's still um, frustrating <laughs> newt gingrich the corruption is unprecedented oh my god i cannot i cannot deal laura trump restore election integrity donald j trump thank you thank me for what i didn't vote for you and then the most recent one I got was today was the official the official message from President Trump and Vice Pres Vice President Pence about their official election defense fund. We need they need me to step up and, and fight will the corruption. You, will you will you step up? I mean, I will continue to step up for Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and whatever the opposite of Donald Trump. You're not is. fighting for the corruption. They think you are. Is what. Yeah, they don't know. Okay, so this is what I actually had planned, but I thought that would be fun to read you some of those emails that I'm getting. And keep in mind, though, all of those that I read, one was from November 4th, and then the rest were from the last three days. Jeez. I keep getting bombarded with these emails, and I'm like, right. go away. Please leave me. <laughs> and they keep being like, oh, we might still win Georgia. I'm like, no, 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 You will not. Okay. <laughs> So this is my segment, and I will explain the title. It's called Small Potatoes. Now, 
the reason why it's called small potatoes is because a little while ago I was in my car and I, I had a question that I had to ask one of my professors and I, I realized I was like, should I send her an email? And then I said to myself, nah, I can just wait till class and ask her in person. It's small potatoes comparatively. And I was like, wait, what a, it's small potatoes. What, what's, and I know it's a phrase that people use to mean like, it's not big in comparison to other things. Right. And so my thought was now, do we use the phrase small potatoes because we were just like, it's small, and we picked a random word, potatoes, or was there a, a, a time in history where there were two big problems, and one of the problems was like, people are dying, and the other was, those potatoes are kind of small. Sure, sure. I didn't know. I was curious about it, but... I Yeah, so I was, like, wondering about the phrase small potatoes, but I thought, hmm, this isn't a big enough question to put on the list of things I've been wondering to talk about on the podcast, though. But I thought, what if I write down every time I have a little, hmm, kind of been wondering thought, but it's not big enough to talk about as a topic on the podcast, but I just okay. want to present it to you as, like, a little tidbit. I could answer pretty much all of these in a two-second Google but I thought it'd be more fun to hear Sarah's response. Oh, okay. Okay, so the first one is the whole small potatoes controversy. And again, you don't need to answer this. Some of the these, though... Small potatoes controversy. Uh, I was taught. You... <laughs> it's a controversy, you're right. Some of these, you might know the answer, and I'm just dumb. Okay. Um, why dumb. do they say... I'm not dumb. Uh, in... With, with monarchs, why do they say her royal highness... Or his royal highness. And I, I was re-watching Victoria the other week. And I noticed every time she referred to herself, she'd say us. And I was wondering about like the whole concept. It was like, so the, the highness? Is that just like the royal presence that's with them at all times? Mm, okay. I get the I'm assuming that's what it is. But, you know, wondering. Well, it's because they're higher than everybody in society. It's like literally you're higher on the social. But that's like a, on this. But it's like a, an entity. Their highness is like an entity, and yes. you refer to them. By, yes, like you're referring by to them. Your highness. Yeah, you're referring to them by their position on the social pyramid. I understand that. It just seems grammatically odd to me. It is grammatically odd. I don't disagree with anyway. that statement. Yeah, that's fine. This next one. I asked someone recently, and they made me feel rather silly for not knowing the answer. And I know the big, the big parts of it, but Marie Antoinette was, like, people, historians said that she said, let them eat cake. We now know that she actually didn't say that. It was just something they said she said. But I don't get that choice of words. Like, I get that the, con the like, context is them being like, we're desperate for food, we need bread. But why would the response, let them eat cake, be logical at all? Like, is she saying, like, oh, we don't have bread, but we have cake to spare, give it to them? Or just no. assuming that they would have cake instead? Like, No, they thought she was bragging about the fact that the royals were so well-fed, and they said they were, st and they were, like, the people were outside the palace saying, like, we're starving, give us food, like, share your wealth, because the wealth gap was so large. And Marie Antoinette, who was, like, an aristocrat who had all this money... Like, it was, like, a jab at them. It's, like, well, let them eat cake. Like, to say, like, oh, I have all of these sweet and delectable things. Oh. 
See, thank you. There's a way to answer someone's question without making them feel dumb. Okay. <laughs> I hope I I hope that gave you some mm-hmm. clarity. This question was spurred by a TikTok I saw in which there was a pregnant dog who was very large and they revealed oh. that the father was this teeny tiny like chihuahua oh, guy. Yeah, I saw that TikTok. So um I was wondering, do dogs care about the breeds of their mate? Like is like I I understand if like a dog is a, like the same size as you that they're not going to be like racist to other breeds, but you'd think they'd care about things like I'm a like a great dane and my partner is a chihuahua. Like you'd think there'd be some preference that it would matter. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know if that's the that's case. That's a fair question. Yeah. It's a very fair question to ask. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um this next one is was the very first human being to ever get their hair cut worried that it would hurt? Oh. I assume not, because I assume you can the tell first like the haircut was not intentional. Oh. That like they accidentally lost a piece of their hair with like a knife or something. And they're like, oh Yeah, and they were like, oh, that doesn't hurt. I could cut this all off. Yeah. That is um, an interesting question though. This next one is I understand the difference between... Oh, I just got an email from Donald Trump. (gasps) Joe Biden's America. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) The silent fake news media is truly the enemy of the people. Are they really... Wait, why are they silent if they're... Anyway, doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It's true, why are they? (laughs) Anyway, back to small potatoes. Um, I understand what a Republican is, and I understand what the GOP is, but I feel like the word Republican, the Republicans and the GOP are used interchangeably. And they're not and, the same thing. And they're, yeah, I don't think they're the same thing. I could, I could they be are wrong. not. They are not the same thing. This next one is, is it really unsafe to shower during a thunderstorm? Or is that just a myth that all of our moms agreed on? I've never, I've never once been told that myth. <gasps> never? I saw that on TikTok the other day. It was like a guy who was like, I was in the shower and I heard thunder. So I got out because my mom always told me that was unsafe. And I was like, my mom said the same thing. And then he was like, I just realized, I don't know if that's true. It might not be, my friend. It might not be. Did your mom tell you that it was illegal to have the light on in the car while you're driving at night? Yes. <laughs> Why did everyone's mom tell them that? <laughs> because their mom didn't want the light on because it's distracting. <laughs> um, I just wanted to read, damn it. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even think about it, but my next bullet point is, did our parents collectively decide to lie about it being illegal to have a light on in the car? Or was it just a coincidence? I think it's just that it's, like, universally annoying, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. This one is just, I'm curious what you'll say. Describe the color teal. It's it's hard to describe any color, Jane. It's a mix of blue and green. And it's a little greener than blue. See, that's what I thought, too. I pictured it like a light turquoise. Mm-hmm. But then someone recently that I was talking to referred to something that was like a sky blue as teal. And then someone else was like, yeah, teal's light blue. And I suddenly was like, what, yeah. what planet am I from that I thought teal had green in it? Like Teal and teal is green. It's like... It's like almost a sea foamy color. I would say. Yeah, I just googled it. It's definitely like a it's got green in it. 
Because, like, light blue and teal are two designated I, different colors. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. How many countries would have to be participating in a war for it to be considered a world war? Oh. Because I feel like we keep talking about, like, World War Three, like it's this thing that hasn't happened yet, but we've been, you know messing things up within the Middle East for a while, and I feel like a bunch of people are involved in that. It's the World War. I guess it's that. I guess that, it, like, there was a, a Eastern battlefront and a Western. Like, there was an Eastern mm-hmm. front and a Western front, you know? But, like, mm-hmm. there still were a bunch of countries that weren't involved. Yeah. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the question of my life. What is going on at Squishmallow's headquarters, and how can I get involved? Um, <laughs> and this is my final question of the segment, but uh, I would be willing to repeat this in the future. I literally will just write down whatever questions pop into my mind. The dog on TikTok, Bunny. Have we all seen her? We know her. Yeah, she speaks. Yeah. Yeah. Is she smarter than other dogs? Or are all dogs as smart as she is? She's just the only one that figured out the buttons. I think it's that she was trained to, to learn the buttons. Did you see the most recent one that people are freaking out about? Where she literally said, who... It, she said... Where's mom poop? Where no, mom she poop? said, who that? And then she looks in the mirror. <gasps> That's crazy. And then her... And then she does it a second time. And then her owner types that bunny and then, like, points at the mirror. And Bunny, like, gets upset and leaves the room and, like, goes into the backyard. It's clearly, Aww. like, she's, like, having an existential crisis. And I was like, Aww, <gasps> Bunny. Oh, that's crazy, though. <laughs> that's truly wild. I saw one TikTok talking about Bunny that was like, this is all fun and games until one day Bunny looks at her owner and starts saying the, and starts typing on the buttons and says, if mommy love Bunny, why mommy own Bunny? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You posed excellent questions, Jane. Yeah. So those are my small potato questions. I love you. I love your small potatoes. Small potatoes are working hard. Okay. <laughs> now it's time for my not small potatoes. Okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Back to some serious discussions. Okay. So let's get ready. I wish I had a hair tie close by. <gasps> I do. I slept. I put my hair in a French braid yesterday while it was wet, and it was very nice and wavy this morning. Oh, pretty! When I went to school, it, it's I already my flat. Hair but... Check my nails, baby. How you okay. feeling? Feeling, feeling overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, ain't it? Ain't it true? Okay. Um. So, I did. I close the tab like an idiot. I did. <laughs> I've done that. Am I an amateur? <laughs> have you ever done the, like this happens to me all the time when you have a bunch of tabs open and you close the one you need and yes. then it, it you so could easily just reopen it because you remember exactly how to get to it. But it's like a principal thing. You're like, no, I have to find it amongst these tabs. I know it's here somewhere. And you spend like way longer than it would take to just open well, a no, fresh be- tab. Well, no, because I don't have an obnoxious number of tabs open. I oh, cap it at five, and then I do a new window. But I have accidentally closed tabs, as I just discussed. Okay. 
Um, because I'm not an insane person. I have some self-respect. Okay. <laughs> I've talked to many people in my grad program who, like, I've been trying to pull something up and I'm like, I'm sorry, I have a million tabs. And they're like, there's no way you could be doing this program and not have a million tabs. And I felt... You know, I'm not saying that I don't have a lot of tabs, but when I get to a certain number, I have different windows for different things. Yeah, like, I just have work. that unnecessary anxiety that I'm like, what if I need it? I, I also have multiple windows going. It's not all in one. I have like four different windows. I just bookmark it, Jane. You can get back to it. For God's sake. Or you can make Oh, you'd read. be mad at how many different I have three different windows open and they all have many tabs. I understand. I did I did grad school. Okay, I understand you did. You did. needing Don't lots worry. of tabs. Yeah. But I that's I it makes me feel disorganized. It makes me feel overwhelmed because it's like, wow, look at all the shit I gotta do. That makes me feel just- overwhelmed. You just gotta, you just gotta push it off to the side, mm-hmm, and then you mm-hmm. pick it up when you need it. Okay, so back to my thing. Um, so <laughs> I, I live on um, two ancestral lands. Um, at the moment, um, I live on Muncie Lenape land and the Canarsie land. So I'm gonna talk about both. Mm-hmm. I live in Brooklyn. Um, the Muncie are a subtribe of the Lenape, and the Muncie Delaware Nation now resides in Ontario. The original Muncie territory extended from the Delaware River Valley to the Catskills in New York, and there is evidence of human population in this area as early as 11,000 years ago. Wow. During that time, an ice cap passed through New York City, and the Atlantic Coastal Plain was 50 miles farther east into the Atlantic Ocean. It is feasible that early human settlement was buried by the melted ice cap and the rising sea level. Um, but we do have evidence that of well, we have evidence of mastodon hunting, um, which is a creature that doesn't exist anymore, um, starting in 9000 BCE off the coast of New Jersey. Um, and it was likely done by the early Muncie nation. Muncie is also the name of their language Okay, that many Lenape speak. So the Muncies were the northernmost group of affiliated villages known as the Lenny Lenape or the Delawares. They lived in settlements along the tributary streams of the Delaware and the Hudson River, and they were first known as the Minisink, which means people of the Stony Country, and later called the Muncie. Um, which I believe, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Stony Brook gets its name from some oh. religion. Mm-hmm. Because that's on Long Island. Many indigenous nations were named by their proximity to important geographical landmarks. Um, For example, further south were the Unalami, which means people up the river, Unami, which means people down the river, and the Unalachico, which means people near the ocean. And I'll have more examples of this later, too. This is connected, but I forgot to mention that I believe the name Wabanaki came from a couple different things, but that refer to the fact that they're located near the eastern coast so it means like people who face the dawn because the sun rises there yeah i think that's very common in indigenous nations to name their tribe based off of because then that's how they knew which tribe they were talking about and how to find Mm -hmm. each other you know if you named your um, lands after your geographical location others could find you Mm -hmm. At the time of what the Muncie, um, their Muncie Delaware Nation website calls permanent European contact, which means that we settled here, we didn't just visit, mm-hmm. um, this, this area um, 
uh, the permanent European contact, which in this area was when Henry Hudson showed up in 1609. That's what they call permanent European contact for New York. Um, the total population of the Lenin Lenape could have been anywhere between 6,000 and 65,000, which is a big number, <laughs> big, a big gap, <laughs> but we don't know. <laughs> it's theorized that Italian explorer Giovanni de Verrazzano, whom the bridge is named after, um, brought diseases on their journey from the Carolinas to Newfoundland when he traveled here in the early 1500s. Makes but it sense. could have also been from another number of sailors and fish fishermen traveling overseas in the 1500s, about 100 years before Henry Hudson showed up. But regardless of who brought over the disease, Verrazzano wrote extensively on the dense population in the now New York Harbor area. And when Hudson arrived about 80 years later, he found far fewer indigenous people living there, despite records of abundant fish and game and stretches of fertile land where they would assume lots of people would live so that kind of points to a population that had died out there sarah i'm sorry i just realized I'm, I'm not recording oh i swear i started recording i just realized i'm not well do you um, want to just try next time well i'm recording we'll see let's listen when it if it is recording it'll like start to export when we end the call and if it ex whatever it exports, just send it to me. Okay. And we'll figure it out. But that's fine. It happens. Um. Yeah. So the early Muncie people built and lived in circular or round houses made of bark laid over a sapling framework. These evolved later on into large rectangular houses with rounded ends, each capable, capable of holding from one to half a dozen families. These would be very comfortable homes and the families would be separated from each other by partitions for privacy. Mm -hmm. There are no signs of palisades or other fortifications near any of the village sites, except for one Muncie territory, which indicated that the Lenape were generally peaceful, um, and they held a respected position within the uh, community of Algonquian-speaking nations. Oh, I think that's the same as what I was talking about, Algonquin. Yeah. Um, tribal relations were described in the metaphors of family relationships. So the Lenape were esteemed as the grandfather tribe to other nations in, the, I would say, the Northeast. There was no Lenape tribal organization in the European sense. Each community was independent under its own chief, and that chief was selected on the basis of hereditary passed down through the mother, which is cool, was a matriarchal society. Yeah. And women enjoyed a status far superior to the subservience of European women, which was definitely noticed by the Lenape and the Muncie. Um, and there are several recorded instances of European women who were kidnapped by Native Americans um, and the Lenape and then refused to go back to white settlements because they were treated of a higher esteem and they weren't expected to be subservient. It happened on a show I watched with my family once. I remember my mom being shocked. Yeah. It was like one is like one of the white women and like, it was like a, one of those shows where they go on a wagon to California. Oh yeah. And then like natives attack and they kidnap one of the ladies and you're like, Oh no. But then next episode, she's like, actually I like it here. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to stay with them. Um, family life was based on division of labor the husband would fish and hunt and clear land, make canoes, uh, tools and weapons, and defend the community. And the wife's responsibility were caring for the children, gathering food, making and ornamenting clothing, 
and running the household. Um, the home and everything in it, except for the man's weapons, were property of the wife. Um, I love this fact. Divorce was not difficult, and it could be sought by either side. Either of them could request divorce. And after divorce, um, the children automatically stayed with their mother. Good job. Early European arrivals were impressed by the general good health, fine physiques, and lack of physical deformities um, of this outdoor living people, which indicated that they were well nourished and very active and um, had a fruitful life. Verrazano. I know. <laughs> Me too. Verrazano wrote that the Navasink um, and other communities in the area spoke Muncie dialect and were part of an extensive Muncie confederacy. And the main, what, its main hub was the council fire at Minisink. And he writes that after 100 leagues, we found a very agreeable place between two small but prominent hills. Between them, a very wide, wide river, deep at its mouth, flowed out into the sea. And this area that he's describing is now known as the Verrazano Narrows. Mm -hmm. um, and with the help of the tide, which rises eight feet, any laden ship could pass from the sea into the river estuary. Since we were anchored off the coast and well sheltered, we did not want to run any risk without knowing anything about the river mouth. So we took the small boat up this river to land, which we found densely populated. The people were almost the same as the others, dressed in birds' feathers of various colors, and they came towards us joyfully, uttering loud, loud cries of wonderment and showing us the safest place to beach the boat. Verrazano then traveled a mile and a half to a beautiful lake, which would later become known as the New York Harbor. Verrazano again notes the density of the population in this area and describes their canoes, which were very well built, um, and their houses, which is how we know what they were shaped like, um, and the mats that they would sleep on, which offered protection from wind and rain. And he noted especially the care and respect they showed towards their women. Muncie's had nice. a highly developed social structure and actively traded with neighboring tribes at least 500 years before the arrivals of Europeans. After the 1500s, after Verrazano left New York, more and more newcomers arrived and they wanted to settle in the Muncie, Delaware homeland. Um, the Muncie would eventually be forced out by the Treaty of Easton in 1758, and this required the Lenape to move westward. They moved from New York and New Jersey to Pennsylvania and then Ohio, and it took 200 years for them to secure their land in present-day Ontario. One of the reasons that the Muncie were continually pushed out was that they actually supported the British in the Revolutionary War because they believed the British would help them preserve a Native American territory um, because the Lenape had signed their treaty in 58 with the colonialists, not the British government. And the Lenape signed another treaty in 1778 in the middle of the Revolutionary War, hoping to establish the Ohio Territory as a Native American state. Several villages in Ohio were run by converted Christian Muncies, so they thought this would gain them favor with the American colonists because they were Christian now and thought maybe they would trust them to run their own community again. Um, but unfortunately, mm. the Lenape chief who negotiated the treaty, White Eyes, died that same year, so that did not happen, as we know. In 1830, Mollen Burwell, who is a Canadian, um, gave a survey or census, and he found 160 Muncies living in an area of the Thames River in Ohio. And this is where their community lives now, occupying roughly three square kilometers. Their nation has only registered 547 people today, 140 of which live in this Ontario reservation. The Canarsie were a band. Oh, sorry. That, so that's it about the Munsies. That's what happened to them and where they went. 
Mm-hmm. The Canarsie were a band of Muncie-speaking Lenape who inhabited Long Island and now modern-day Brooklyn. They were there when the Dutch colonized New Amsterdam in the 1620s, and that is considered their first contact, first European contact. Being so near Manhattan Island, it is certain that they had frequent contact with the other tribes living there, and there's some evidence that they had a settlement near the southern tip of Manhattan as well. These were among the indigenous people encountered by Henry Hudson's crew in 1609 um, Mm -hmm. and described by his first mate, Robert Chouet. We are told that the Canarsis were obliged to play a regular tribute of wampum, which you talked about, and dried clams to representatives of the Iroquois Indians who they were at war with. And when they refused to do so on one occasion at the advice of um, white settlers, a part of a party of warriors descended upon them um, of Iroquois warriors and it had disastrous consequences and it um, really wiped out a huge portion of the Canarsie nation. So thank you for your shitty advice. Um, (laughs) Within the territory occupied by the Canarsies, there was another small chieftaincy, which was called the Mareshkowitz. Mareshkowitz. This is such a long word. Um, Marekkowitz. Marekkowitz. Um, And they migrated east shortly after the arrival of the Europeans and took up residence on the south shore of Long Island in the territory of Massapequa, which is what Massapequa gets its name from. Um, And because Mm -hmm. of this, they were required to pay tribute. So the Canarsis were kind of absorbed into the Massapequas. Canarsie means the fenced place, and Canarsie is still an area of Long Island today. Other nations on Long Island included the Rockaways, which means Sandy Place, Rockaways mm-hmm. Place, Merricks, or the Barren Land, Merricks is a place, Massapequa, Great Waterland, Shinnecock, Flatter mm-hmm. Level Country, and Montequet, which means Fort Country. So this, mm-hmm. like, there are still so many places on Long Island that are named after these nations that were there, which is really sad because... I promise you, no, none of them live there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It is likely, this I found very interesting, it is likely that there were no native peoples living in tribal systems on Long Island. Um, so there wasn't like what you were talking about, like a confederacy of tribes. It was just kind of like these were their own families um, mm. until the Europeans arrived and the Europeans encouraged them to develop some sort of system for like trade or whatever and this is actually where like all the fighting started and why so many of them were like the Canarsi, which were a small group of people were like dominated by the massapequins because the massapequins were bigger but that only happened because the europeans encouraged them because they're capitalists and they were like no you should do it like you'll get more trade you'll get more stuff um and so the tribal systems in long island only developed because of pressure from the europeans a 2010 census showed 111,749 American Indians slash Alaskan Native people living in the New York City area, although it did not delegate, um, you know, who their um, tribal ancestry are. Mm-hmm. But that is all about the Lenape and the Canarsie of New York. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I knew I had heard the word Canarsie before, and it was like, ah, because it. I've definitely heard it on the subway as, like, a stop way down the A-line on the way to Rockaway. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. 
at YKWIBW podcast. You can check on our website, I've been wondering.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. And finally, if you have something that you've been wondering, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. Sarah. Yes, Jane. Do you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering? So, like, what's the deal with magicians and, like, <laughs> like, I'm not talking about, like, guys at parties who play card tricks. Like, like Harry Houdini and, like, magicians' guilds and how secrets are kept and rules they have to follow and uh, how see. far people have gone to be part of it all. How far they'll go. <laughs> they'll stop at nothing. <laughs> So stop it. Go. Nothing to find out those magic secrets. Okay, yeah, I'd love to talk about that. I love magic. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> Was that spawned by the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode about Harry Houdini? Love yeah, it. it was. Love it. It was crazy. I didn't. I learned a lot about him that I didn't know. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Jane, you know what I've been wondering? What have you been wondering? I'm wondering how. And why did Black Friday start? <gasps> why do we okay. all line up at Walmart? I mean, I don't, but lots of people do. Like I've never. I'm afraid of it. 3 p.m. No, I'd never go to Walmart on a Black Friday. I don't. I never go to Walmart. Like to be clear, <laughs> it's a godless place. Um, have you seen that TikTok of that girl quitting Walmart and she quits by like, like just like airing out a bunch of people's like dirty laundry on the loudspeaker <laughs> like up at the at the store and at the end she's like this is my this resignation is and then she leaves <laughs> it's brutal but like it's amazing because she's like you're she's like, <laughs> she like calls out her boss and she's like you're a pedophile stop flirting with me <gasps> like it's like it's wild it's truly wild it's amazing though wow it's really good. Anyway, I want to know, like, why do we, how did it become the capitalist holiday? The capitalism day? Yeah, how did it become national capitalism day? You feel? That eats its way into what's supposed to be national, we hang out with our families day. Yeah, I mean, I don't enjoy Thanksgiving, so I don't really care if it eats into it, because, like, to be honest, I'm trying to get out of there as soon as possible, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it, i would like to know i will look into that for you all right that's what's coming at you next week thank you so much for listening this is you know what i've been wondering <laughs>